set big goals, but if you don't achieve your goals, it's fine. Like big, scary goals are the only way to potentially achieve them. A flow experience is when the body moves with the mind and the soul with seemingly effortless motion. The purest form of athletics and flow go beyond a perfection of skill and bleed into the pure joy of motion, moving faster, higher, and stronger towards limitless possibilities. These flow stories take us through the habits, goals, and exercises of refinement of people who have mastered their field. If you are looking to discipline your mind, body, and spirit to achieve together, this flow episode is for you. When the opportunity comes for you to be at your best, you will have learned to be ready to find your limit, bust through, and find your flow into a life that has meaning. This is your host, Doc Schrock. Let's heal, grow, and flow. There is a new versioning sport called ultra running, which has grown by 345% since 1996. Today, we hear from ultra runner, Maddie Hart. She says she's up and coming and she explores her world through her own two feet. Maddie takes us through an 100 mile race today. The peaks, the valleys, the food lows, and the running highs. Find out if she prevails in this endeavor on this episode of Life Alive. Welcome to the podcast, Madison. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I am pumped to have you as our first ultra runner here on Life Live podcast. So you'll forever be in the record books. <laughs> well, glad to be the first one to represent. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about um, yourself, just uh, like where you grew up and um, if there are any childhood activities that dominated your, your upbringing. Yeah, so I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Um, was born and raised there and was always pretty active growing up, kind of played all the sports. Um, but I played soccer for a really long time. And then as I got a little bit older, I got more into horseback riding. So I actually rode horses competitively all the way through high school. That was kind of my like big summer fall sport. Um, so I did hunter jumper, um, which I loved. It taught me a lot, I guess. Um, and then so I also right there for just a second. So soccer yeah. is a team sport with humans. And obviously you're riding horses as you connecting with animals. So which you yeah. prefer? <laughs> oh, I liked horseback riding way more because okay. you had to like, yeah, you had to, I mean, I was, I had like teammates, I guess, mm -hmm. quote unquote. So girls I would ride with and that was awesome. But it is a very individual sport, but you're working also with this animal that can't tell you what they're thinking, but they can show you when they don't like things and when they're, not liking the way you're sitting on them or moving with them. And it, it teaches you to like tune into something bigger than you in like a very different way. So like a lot of body connection too, cause like you'd feel everything through your seat. So when things started to feel weird, you had to like adjust your hips and kind of like take it all in. And it definitely took a long time to feel somewhat competent at it. And I think I never got, you know, <laughs> all that great at it but I loved it so that was definitely like once I started doing that more that took over my life much more so than say soccer but sure. but yeah and then in the winters I skied um that was pretty big my dad is a great skier he telemark skis which he could never get me into um but I I do free ride skiing so that was that was a big part of my life as well Great. I'm from the Midwest, so uh, skiing is less of a thing there. And as I <laughs> yeah. moved out here to Colorado, it it's like uh, you're sort of an oddball out if you didn't grow up doing some winter sport. Here. Totally. So I'm sure that uh, everyone in Colorado is almost groomed from a, a young age to be a, a slight bit more athletic um, year round. So yeah. Let's go back to this. The um, the horse back riding for a moment and then fast forward 
obviously you ultra run today and um, you're sort of have a burgeoning career since 2017 about, and does tapping into like those younger years now, does anything translate from the horse riding to your running? And you said something like tuning into something bigger than yourself. Does anything translate into running for you these days with that? Um, I guess like some of the like big picture stuff, like with horseback riding, it's a lot of consistency and you just have to keep doing it. And some days are going to be bad rides and that's okay. Um, but I guess, yeah, the like the training aspect of horseback riding definitely taught me a lot about like the, the keep at it-ness, I guess, that you need in running too. Um, cause with running, you know, you're going to have bad running days and that's okay. That's part of it. And you kind of just have to keep moving forward with all of it, which I guess is true though to most things in life. Like, so if anything, that's a big, like a bigger life lesson it's taught me. They both taught me. Um, but they're very different sports. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, does something about your upbringing still inspire you today? About any, my upbringing? Any just, yeah, any just le- life lessons you learned um, or anything about your upbringing that still gives you inspiration? My parents definitely still inspire me. Um, I love my parents. We've always been pretty close, but I think I really look up to both of them. They're both really athletic and strong-willed and um, just good role models. And I think they, they taught me a lot of life lessons growing up and also a sense of, like, if I want to do things, I have to go out and get them done myself. Like, things aren't going to be handed to you in life. And I think that's one thing that in Boulder you sometimes see kids don't quite get that as much. Um, and I'm really glad my parents, like stuff wasn't just handed to me. And I mean, I, I've still, I'm very, very fortunate. So I've been, they've been helping me out with college and that's all been huge, but there's definitely been a lot that I've had to work for myself and they kind of taught me all that. So I guess that kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, I still carry with me now. Sure. How does that translate into your um your discipline and running as far as go back to like the good the good the ups and the downs and the the good days and the bad days how does that uh how do you keep your passion for it reignited well i guess it's you know a similar concept where you just kind of have to keep showing up and i am one for setting pretty lofty goals um what's a lofty goal that you have right now in the here and the now Right now, okay, well, I'm recovering from an injury, so my year got set back a little bit, Um, but instead of letting that be like, oh, my 2020 is over, I mean, it's only February, so it's not, but (laughs) we just reassessed, and um, I signed up for Run Rabbit Run 100, which is in Steamboat, Colorado, it's a 100 miler, Um, and that race is terrifying to me. So that's, um, I mean, I have like, I want to perform well there too, hopefully, and, or at least the best I can for the day. So I guess that's kind of my lofty goal, but, um, yeah, with having those big goals, I think it's great to keep you going every day because on those days when I don't really want to go on a run or like right now, I don't really want to sit on the spin bike for an hour and a half. Um, it's a great reminder of like, okay, well, what is this going towards? Cause it's not just for the 90 minute spin bike. Like it's going to my fitness, which is going to help me down the road. Sure. So what are, uh, let's just go ahead and dive into that a little bit, the here and now, um, what, uh, for setting goal setting, you know, if someone's out there listening, what are some of the, do you like lam- write them down, laminate your goals? Do you just willingly sign up for races or say one big one and then little micro movements throughout the year. What's your goal setting like when you sit down and are thinking about your year in, in the future, year ahead for running? Yeah. Um, well, I have an awesome coach right now. So I'm working with Duncan Callahan through CTS. Um, and honestly, that's really helpful for me because I think if it was up to my own devices, I would probably sign up for way too many hundred milers. Um, and at my age, that's 
for the longevity of my career, probably not the best idea. So Duncan helps me. We've been working closely with the goal setting aspect where I'll come to him with a handful of things I want to do and he'll be like, okay, well, let's pick one from these ones and then some shorter stuff. So um, we, we kind of decided on 100 miler a year, one to two, um, depending on how close they are. So there's definitely, he puts his foot down with how close they can be. Um, but then definitely doing uh, some shorter races, and some of them are more training races, but um, that's also part of our goal setting when I sign up for things is like, okay, is this a race I want to go and try to be as competitive as I can? Or is this a race that, yes, I know when I get to the starting line, it's hard to not be competitive, but it's going to be a quote unquote training race. So I'm not going to put myself so deep in the hole that then I have to take a week off training. Um, so yeah, I think all my races when I sign up for them are pretty methodical um, and like building blocks to my, my few goal races for the year. Gotcha. So do you schedule everything just like right in the beginning, January, even before? Kind of. Um, this year was pretty lined up through May, but then with this injury, it's putting me out for between six to eight weeks. So um, I'm hoping for six. Um, so we had to reassess my, my May goal um, just because it, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so right now we're scheduled through September and then we'll kind of go from there. Cause like one of the other races I've been toying around with the idea of is in January um, of next year. So I'll put in for the lottery for that. And if I get in, that would be another like goal race. So then we'll kind of do, you know, September through January. So kind of, I guess, six month blocks with goal settings, but yeah, my, my calendar is pretty much built through September. I'll probably add a couple more races. I really like racing. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep that going, but without being too much. So, um, yeah. So before we get into, I want to dip down into the here and now, so like far as the injury goes, but let's go, let's rewind a little bit because you had a pretty good year this last year in 2019. So what, uh, tell me a little bit about the Tahoe Rim from a, like the goal setting aspect of like before uh, some preparation mentally, and then we'll get into the race there. So how did you feel like you prepared and did you feel like you were prepared going in? Yeah, that was probably the most prepared I've ever felt going into a race. Mm -hmm. um, but also like that did have to do with I was feeling realistic about it, where like my intent was not to win. Like I was trying to go out and have a day where I was running consistently and fueling well and not running too fast, which I always do for long distance stuff. I'm dumb about pacing. Um, so yeah, I, I felt good leading up. I'd actually gone to Austria to race at the Adidas Infinite Trails World Championships, um, which was just four weeks before. Um, and that was an amazing experience. I got to go with the Western trail running team here at the university I go to. So that was a really cool experience. Um, I ran a 60K race there, I think it was. I don't know. It was not short. Um, <laughs> but it was super mountainous, really hard. It was probably one of the harder races I've done, um, just because those mountains are so insane. But I was really race or like gearing up before then with my training. So I was... This was probably the most consistent summer I've had too, where I was doing big mileage weeks pretty comfortably back to back and I wasn't having any injuries. I had finally dialed my nutrition a little bit more and my supplementation. Um, and yeah, I was just feeling good about that. And I think sometimes too, having the stress of school removed really helps me with my performance because it just takes one stressor off my plate. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to being graduated, but uh, yeah, so it was a good summer. And then I, I kind of took the Adidas race as my last hard effort before Tahoe. 
And then after that, my real goal was recovery and just maintenance miles. So I, I really wasn't doing many workouts. I think I did three workouts in the span of four weeks or something like that. Um, very minimal and still running a good amount of miles every week, but it wasn't crazy. And I tapered like really well the week before Tahoe. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, started at the finish line feet from the starting line, I guess, <laughs> feeling healthy and ready to go for that hundred mile race. Were, do you, were you worried about any, you obviously said you didn't go into the race to win it. However, yeah. at what point during the race, did you know that you were in lead at any time or did you just do your due diligence of just run your race? And then at the end, you're like, Oh my gosh. No. So I, <laughs> I don't know if you know much about ultra sign up, but it's a dangerous pigeonhole. So I, <laughs> I love ultra sign up. So it's how you sign up for most of these um, ultra marathons. So when you sign up, you can see everybody else who signed up and ultra sign up will rank you. So like from your percentage or your, how you finish at other races, it gives you a percentage for overall and for your age group. So um, it'll rank how it thinks the race should go. And I've always like, since I started, I was like, I'm going to beat my ultra sign up, like estimate. Um, so you're so, racing against yourself at first. At first. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm not because ultra sign up is silly, but, um, but yeah, so I knew who some of the women were, um, on the start line and, you know, social media does make it easy so I could type in their names and see what their faces looked like. So I, I knew, um, but I, in the back of my head, I was like, okay, so like, I know who I'm looking for, but I'm not, I'm not going to start out with them. Like, cause they, like the women who I knew were trying to be competitive went out fast. And I was like, okay, not, not doing that. <laughs> so I ended up running with a cool group of guys and we were talking about, you know, all things that you talk about when you're running pretty slowly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I kind of knew I don't know. I guess until the halfway point, I had no idea where I was sitting place-wise. Um, and then I passed one woman who has won the race a couple times, and I, I think she was having kind of some technical issues during that race. So when I passed her, I told my pacer, I was like, I don't, maybe we shouldn't have passed her so soon. Like, should we have waited? And he was like, no, you're running. She's walking. Like, you just keep running. So we just kept cruising and then at the next aid station, so, you know, close to mile 60, um, someone was like, yeah, there's only one person and like one female in front of you. And that in my head was like, okay, so we're still going to just keep doing our thing. But hearing stuff like that, my brain definitely is like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so the sun Do you was think it's helpful to to uh, know that, like you said, the ultra sign up and then up through, tell us a little bit about that moment of you, you talked a little bit about it, but the, what's the, what was your psychology? Did you have any dominant thoughts of when you did pass that first runner of like, was it second guessing yourself? Like maybe I'm outpacing myself or. It was definitely that. Like I, I panicked a little bit, not much, but I was like, Oh God, like what am I doing? Because the Tahoe Rim Trail is one of those races, too, that it it draws kind of the same group that it does pretty consistently. So these women have all ran the race a bunch. Like, they know it. And so when I was like, okay, well, I'm this, like, dumb 21-year-old who's passing women who've ran this race a ton. Like, am I making a horrible mistake? And also, like, I was trying to not be in the mindset of, like, racing until the end. Um... So, yeah, I, I definitely second-guessed it, and, you know, it was a bit of a struggle, I guess, briefly to, like, not dwell on that, just kind of let it go, and that was one thing my pacer was excellent at just changing the subject, so sure. all of a sudden we were talking about something else, and the thought was gone, so. Mm -hmm. um, now, fast forward to about mile 60 when you found out this new information. Yeah. So, do you remember the metrics of what, like, heart rate, breathing, uh, stress on the body. Do you remember how your body really felt at that moment rather than just like what you thought? 
Yeah, so honestly, I felt pretty good almost the whole race in general until about, I mean, I was getting sore. Um, my hips were, my hips get really sore towards the end of long stuff. Um, I was starting to get some blisters like underneath my, um, pinky toes. My, my pinky toes are really what get like beat up when I run. Um, and I was having some chafing issues, so that was just another hard. day at the office. Yeah, you know, <laughs> classic. But um, yeah, I, I learned that you should make sure your shorts fit right before you race in them for a hundred miles, and bring a pair of backups. So now I know. But but yeah, um, I was I was still running. Like I was feeling pretty good. the The heart rate and like breathing it's just hard with hundred milers because really like, I don't think you should ever be like redlining. Like if you're redlining during a race, props to you, but like, uh, I don't personally, I don't think I, with something that long you want to go there, it should be a very manageable effort level. So like Mm -hmm. when we were hitting steep, there was like one steeper climb up to an aid station. Like we were hiking it, but aside from that, it was mostly running, um, power hiking when need be. But, um, yeah, I was feeling pretty in control with everything and the sun was starting to go down. uh, I guess when I passed the lady who was in first, cause that was pretty close to mile, probably just over mile 70. Um, maybe mile 75. I don't know. It was, it was right before I switched pacers, but, um, I know we passed her with headlamps on and, um, I, I definitely went like full throttle, not full throttle, but I was like, okay, so now I know I'm sitting in first place and like, I don't really want to lose that. So let's go. And I think I got a lot more quiet. I was less interested in like chit chatting. Um, and I, I was bonking a little bit at that point. I needed food. <laughs> and we were really close to the aid station, so I sometimes get, like, when I'm close to aid stations, I'm like, I don't really want to keep eating, like, these stupid gels that I have in my pack. Like, I'm ready for pretzels and a, a sandwich. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, rolled up to the next aid station, and um, I switched pacers there. So was running with my my roommate from last year and he's like my best friend. So, um, yeah, we fueled up and then took off and there was definitely a bit of pressure the whole time in the back of my mind of like, she's probably gaining on me, like better keep moving. Um, so a little bit of fear, but I kind of love running scared. Like it's the best worst feeling. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we just kept cruising and then, Mile 90 is really when everything like fell apart, but it was relatively falling apart. Like I was still running, but I was crying while I was running. So <laughs> got I, got, I got emotional and my feet really hurt. So I was, I was hurting pretty bad. The last like five miles are all downhill to the finish line. So at the last aid station, they're like, Oh, it's all downhill from here. And you're like, no, I don't want downhill. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was one of those days that I think was special, but at the same time, like, I think I could race that race better. And maybe that's just like my competitive nature with myself where I'm always striving to be better at things that I like, um, whether that's work or running my relationships. Um, I'm trying, you know, perpetually to find ways to make things better. And that's definitely one of those races. I'm like, Oh, I could shave time off for sure. I could run more efficiently. I could be doing X, Y, and Z better. And, um, yeah. So I, with that being said, I think I'll go back at some point. Mm-hmm. So. Well, let's go back to, uh, just asking you a question about the overall, you know, with sun going down with the hundred milers, it's, it's such a long period of time, you know, with the 50 miles you get done before dark sometimes. Yeah. And, um, did you train, do you train, do you take that into account when you're training? Like you training all, try to train in all conditions, snow, early, late, mid afternoon for the sun. And do you 
tries to take those things into account? Yes, but um, it's more like, so living in Gunnison, I normally run all winter, so pretty calm, like, I'll run on the trail sometimes. I mostly run on the roads in the winter, but, you know, you get more used to running in the cold. Um, And I like the heat, so in the summertime, that's not a huge problem for me. Um, But one thing, actually, that I am planning on working on a lot more this year is nighttime, so that's something my coach and I have been talking about is um, as races get closer, we're actually going to be doing more night runs because that's, I think the hardest part is like you start getting tired and that's kind of inevitable, but um, you know, if you're, if you're running efficiently, I, it's not, I can't say how bad, like I've never hallucinated fully. I don't think you like see shadows, but I think it's just cause like you are tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean when you're moving towards the front of the pack, like I, I, so much admire the people who are in the back of the pack like having that second sunrise oh my gosh Mm -hmm. because the the lack of sleep is really really hard and it gets to you for sure so yeah we're working on that this year so night runs will become my friend great let's go back to running scared for a moment would you say one of the one of the themes in this this show is a flow and I often I'm wonder, I know what it feels like for me Yeah. when I'm out and through, I haven't not run a hundred mile race yet. I'm training for my first 50. Yeah. And so when you do get into those later miles, it is, are there about how many waves would you say of finding that flow or that space where you're just in it? and um enjoying it through a hundred mile race so just for some give someone an idea that either is striving for that distance or has just never really experienced that how many yeah. walls do you break through there Gosh, i feel like it depends on the day <laughs> and like the person for sure because mm-hmm. like i think personally i get on a bit of a roller coaster with my emotions and i'll have moments I will add, I get on a roller coaster, I think, and it has a very close correlation with my calorie intake. Mm -hmm. So when I start to get hungry or like need more fuel, I get sad. And like, instead of being like, oh, I hate running, I'm not into it. I like, I'm like getting emotional, (laughs) like about everything else. Um, So I get roller coasters there, but I I think it's so individual because I've had races where it's been like, pretty low the whole time like I'm not sure I've even gotten in flow for some races but then there's been other days where it's like things just line up and like you feel that like calm like just everything feels right mm-hmm. and like I've, th- I was definitely having more of those sensations during like Tahoe um, but I don't know I think it depends on the day what your flow sure. state really is sure and when you got focused there, I think you said about mile 70, you yeah. were like, something shifted. You were like, okay. And you said you you got more quiet. Did, do you feel like you kind of go deeper within, like internal, like a deeper focus? Is that like mostly or just like more in your body and you don't even want to waste the energy of talking? <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. I like talking normally, so okay. I don't know if my brain is like, oh, let's conserve energy. But it was more like, okay, I have work to do because I'm sitting in a position where, like, I want to win. <laughs> and I'm competitive, so I think it was more of that where it was like all of a sudden it felt feasible. And I realized I think if I wanted to do it, I needed to keep working. And it wasn't, like, going to be one where I could walk it in. like. Mm-hmm. I was racing. So, and like, I I've had similar feelings with shorter races where it's like, you don't have so long to like catch your competitors. Like you got to be working. Um, and mind you, the pace is very different for the short races versus, you know, mile 70 to the finish line of a hundred miler mm-hmm. <laughs> vastly different. But, um, yeah, I think it was more just like, 
I'm going to focus in on what I'm doing. I need to get to the next aid station. I want to be in and out. Like I was, I know I was telling my pacer, like as we were getting closer, I was like, you can go ahead. Cause I know exactly what I need and I want it ready when I get there. Like I want these foods. <laughs> Let's talk about food for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it was more just being dialed, I think, or starting to focus in. Yeah, that's great. And then 90, you said it got emotional and the, the drive almost that you were hurting, but the, what would you have a dominant, um, theme of a, a mantra or words that you say to yourself or when you're digging deep there and it is getting emotional, how do you overcome and not so, uh, I guess, do you overcome or do you say, do you just have an attitude of acceptance? Like this is it. It hurts. Yep. Is there anything, what's the dialogue there in the later miles? I think it was a little bit of both, probably more on the acceptance side, but like, so my pacer at that point, he is, he's not really a chit chatter. So we weren't really talking and I was getting in my head of like, I can't do this. The woman behind me is going to catch me. Like this was a dumb goal, yada, yada. And so I like, I was going to that negative place. And the minute I like, I told my pacer, I was like, you just have to talk to me. So (laughs) I think he took that as like, okay, time for a pep talk. But then the minute he started being like, you're super strong. Like, you know, you can do this. You've trained so hard. And then he was like, okay, now you just keep saying these things. So we were literally running down the hill and I was like, I've got this. Like, (laughs) I, I know I can do this and kind of, it was going positive, but it was definitely just also in my head being like, it's going to be pretty shitty for the next however many miles and my feet are really going to hurt, but it's not that much longer. So, yeah. So I was uh, reading the other day and what sparked me to ask that question is that there was a scientist that asked some runners what strategy they adopt. And one was to accept the pain and take sort of a neutral mindset. And -hmm. another one was to try to distract. And and then some just like, I don't have, I don't take any strategy at all. Or so what, what category would you say you fell in the most? Or is it a mix of all? (laughs) All of the above. Yeah. I don't know. Probably more of like, except. Mm -hmm. I feel like distraction's great, but like, when I tended more towards like, okay, there's however, 10 more miles total, whatever. um, That's easier to be like, okay, I I can do that. I run 10 miles every day. Like, whatever. Um, It's easier to, I think, stomach that instead of like fully distracting. I, there was definitely some distraction though. Sure. And I think like the positive mantras definitely help in a good way to distract yourself too. Um, and I know for some people like going more to the negative stuff, not negative, but like darker, like mm-hmm. focusing on like why you're doing this. And if there are particular reasons, like great. But I think for me um, on that day, at least, more of the positive mindset and like being really proud of myself um, was powerful. Did you have anything that you repeated over and over that you said to yourself or was it just like you were just having elated thoughts of, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. I don't remember. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So let's fast forward to the finish. What, um, what was, tell us about, that was this your first hundred mile that you won that i won yeah okay so So what tell me tell me about that because that's a a new first experience is that you're never going to forget yeah no um it was crazy it i do remember the race director his first question after i sat down and like got the like congrats you you did it um he was like what's a 21 year old doing running 100 milers and i was like i don't know that's a good question let me think about it and didn't answer it but (laughs) um yeah it was a cool feeling and i was i think ninth overall 
Um, so there were only like a couple guys sitting in the tent and there was a lot of guys who I'd been running with all day. So that was kind of cool too, to be like, Hey, we all did it. Here we are. Um, of course the guy who had won, uh, Chris Price, I believe is his name. Um, he was long gone cause he ran it in like 19 hours, which is awesome. He is a crusher. What was your time? Um, I 23 something. I could look if you want. No, that's a uh, 2318. I think it says 06. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah that's sure, what ultra yeah. sign up says. So it has to be true, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, we'll take their word for it. Right. Um, yeah. That's What's the camaraderie? Great. Like it, it seems just being a runner myself and doing some triathlon as well. Tell for those listeners that may not know, what is the camaraderie like um, f- amongst ultra runners it's uh, like or, the or reason- lack thereof? <laughs> no, I, I think there's so much. Like, that's the reason I think I'm so into this sport is like mm. everybody wants the best for each other. And it's like you make friends out there and especially during races, like that's one thing I love about ultras is like, you're out there for so long that, you know, most people are like down to talk. Like, otherwise it's going to be a really long time without talking at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Like I, I heard some cool stories from very different people who, from different walks of life. And like, it's just a cool feeling when you're like, I've literally never met you before. And now we're like becoming friends in the span of like, however many hours you run together for. Um, and there's a ton of camaraderie. Like, I think even amongst competitors, like the women I was racing, like when I saw them the next day at the awards, like we were all stoked for each other. I don't think they like had seen my face. So then afterwards we were all talking they were like, Oh God, you looked great. (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Well, you guys are badass. Like, so there's just a ton of support. And like, I love watching too, like a couple of the the people who I look up to in the sport are like such advocates of getting other people involved and making more people feel welcome. And, you know, you meet them in public and they're not, they're not rude. They're not like, I feel like a lot of really high end athletes sometimes tend to be like a little standoffish maybe with their competitors. And I don't know enough high end athletes, but like, seems like when you see that sometimes it's like, Oh, that's, not awesome, but I've never seen many <laughs> ultra runners who are really competitive act that way. And I think that's awesome. Like yeah. we're all out here doing something that's big picture. It's not that important. Like we go and run really far mm-hmm. and cool, like great. But at the end of the day, it's just running. So mm-hmm. why not make amazing friends and be a kind person and support other people in the, in the process of it all? Yeah. I watched your video, um, on YouTube and I really, there was a couple parts there that you said, I want to go back to like why you started running in the first place. Um, so you, in the video you were, you just said that you were in school and you basically started running to kind of numb out stress just as like to process stress. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. And Um, then it went to that um, from that to make, making it really a lifelong achievement. And so tell us about what, what was the lure for you or when did you do, was there a period of time that you can say you just fell in love with running? I think it was in Montana. So I went to my first year of school at Montana state, um, which, yeah, like I kind of explained in that video, it was a huge transition and I don't think I'd like fully embrace myself for like moving 12 hours away from home driving. It's not a long flight, but (laughs) a long drive. And I knew a couple people, but I didn't really have any like friends. Um, and I know everybody's in that boat when they go to college, like that's not unique, but, um, I think I underestimated how like it's hard. Um, And so, um, yeah, I, 
I wanted to stay in shape. I wanted to be fit. And I didn't like the school gym. It just, there were so many like big guys lifting and I didn't love that. So um, running was a great way to get outside. I had a couple friends who initially were getting me more into it. Um, they were all Nordic skiers or had ran in high school. So they kind of planted that seed for me, I guess. And then pretty quickly I was like, Oh, I can do this every day and I can go explore this new place. And Bozeman has a really cool trail system. So like you can go from the, like essentially the center of town or the campus to trails outside of town. Um, and there's trails everywhere outside of Bozeman too. Like there's all these cool mountain areas that have great, I think a lot of people bike them, but great running. Um, so I I pretty quickly realized like how cool it was to explore on your own feet of like, okay, I, I'm going to see if I can get to this trailhead today because I didn't have a car. So I was just running everywhere. Um, I also didn't have a GPS watch, so I had no idea how far I was running. Just (laughs) just doing it um but yeah it was it was really like a a sense of exploration and um when I stayed there over the summer I think I was I was trying to push boundaries with how far I was running at least for me like it felt like a big deal and I was I had really cool group of friends um who were fun to go explore with so we did like the Bridger Ridge run one day there's a race that does like that goes along it but we just did it for fun um and I think that run was really like one of the key moments for me that like turned something in my head to like Mm -hmm. okay like I love running um and I think that was one of those days that was a little bit harder so I like you know you have those lows but you finished and we were so stoked on our 18 mile run and it was that's a great awesome. day. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think that's what it leads me into the end of your video. When you basically, this is quote you anywhere I go, I'll be able to do what makes me happy. So is, does that have a lot to do with the running of just, that's something that you'll always have in that being something that you got into in a transition in your life. That's sort of an anchor for you and for your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it is one of those sports that is great because you can be in a city and you can still go on a run or you can be in the middle of nowhere and you can still go on a run. So I think that ability to kind of where I go, I can take it with me. I don't need to bring, a, you know, much equipment aside from a pair of shoes and some shorts and a sports bra. Like, yeah depending on the weather, you might want more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know um, I've learned in um, running in Colorado, it's all about the layer effect and just, it's it's a guessing game much of the time for me. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But once you get it down, you're like, Oh, I can run any season. I got this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, yeah. I, I love that, that aspect. It's just simple. Like you put on your shoes and you go and like, you know, it's, I think that sometimes it's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. So quick question about the here and now and Uh going forward. Um, Thanks for sharing all that, that I love to go through step through at least one race with a runner, especially your first and just uh, getting that reaction of, of what that was like. I also, before I move on, I want to ask you now if you've had time to think about what the director told you. What is a 21-year-old doing racing 100 miles? Uh, I know that they're ultra running in in general is getting more and more popular. I think it's one of the fastest growing sports amongst yeah. almost all ages. So, um, had you had time to reflect on that question at all, or did, would you have an answer for what you feel? is the lure for you or the draw to such a young age to pursue this? Yeah. So personally, I think I I have thought about this a decent amount. I don't think ultra running is for everybody. And I think that's fine. Like I wanted to run farther because I like pushing myself physically and mentally. Like it forces me to go to places that are physically uncomfortable and mentally uncomfortable and you can keep going. So it's kind of like 
for me, it's really empowering and it's hard. And sometimes it's really not fun and other days are great. Um, and I do it because I like to see what I can do. Um, I think being younger, I have a different perspective on it maybe. And I think it's really important for people who are younger to also, you know, do our research on the sport. And I will say, I think a lot of ultra runners are quite nerds about the sport. So like most of my ultra running friends who are, you know, my age are nerds about it. So like they know way more than I do about all the history of the races. But I think knowing that stuff is important too, because it is an older sport and there's a lot of history involved in it. So I think being like an educated athlete about it is also good. So that when we young people are coming in, it's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm a young person trying to change your sport. It's like, no, we respect what the history is and we understand it and maybe don't agree with all of it, but we know why it's there and why it's what, you know, why it is the way it is. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, I don't think everyone my age needs to run ultras, but I do have a lot of friends my age who do. And honestly, I think a lot of them are way tougher than me. I look up to a lot of them. So, um, yeah, I, I love that part. My, my ultra running friends who are my age and who are older than me, they're just like the coolest people I know. I think that's well, you hit on something really that's universal. And I, I want to highlight for my listeners is that I think it's important as you said, to find some, find a way, and this was just your path of find a way to push your mind and body, preferably together, because you really can't separate the two um, no. in life. Pushing your mind and body further, and that creates this this flow, but this friction at the same time, and it has an ebb and flow to it that um, helps us grow. Is totally people, you know, so speaking of that and growth, you know, you're going through a challenge right now. Tell us a little bit, you know, just in this in part, tell us a little bit about uh, where you are today and with your current injury and what's going on. If you don't mind sharing just a little bit about, you know, have you had the shift? Yeah, no. Um, so I got diagnosed with a stress fracture um, a couple weeks ago. I'm Today marks, well, yesterday marked three weeks without running, which isn't really that long, but it's felt like an eternity. Um, but I think, you know, it's, this is the first time I've ever had an injury that I really haven't been able to run. Like, this isn't really something you should or would want to run through. Um, I was trying, I think. <laughs> I... I have, I think, a pretty high pain tolerance, so I had told myself that it wasn't that painful. I thought I just was having shin splints or something, um, and it actually turned out to be a stress fracture in my tibia, which I <laughs> I got to a point where I could barely walk and had to, I started a workout, a tempo run one day, and luckily I was on a treadmill because midway through, I was like, I can't do this, like, almost cried on, <laughs> on a treadmill in public. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of an interesting shift for me now of just kind of being like, it's okay. It's big picture. This is a great time to be injured because it's really cold here and I don't really want to run outside. So it's, it's okay. And it's forcing me to grow too, just because, you know, running really is my stress outlet and I don't have that right now. So it's been a little bit of a balance of like, okay, well, if I can't run, what am I going to do that makes me feel fulfilled? and de-stressed and you know happy and I think that's been good for me too to realize that that's not always running like at the end of the day you can't always run from your problems like I've been journaling a lot more and spending time <laughs> I like cleaning like cleaning makes me really happy so I've been cleaning more and baking I love baking so I'm trying to perfect my breads which I'm not there yet but <laughs> working on it love that. Um, let me know when you do yeah, I will. Um, but yeah, I think I think running is one of those sports that everyone will inevitably get hurt at some point. Like it's hard on your body, um, especially when you 
are dumb like me and take one week off for your off season. And, you know, <laughs> my unstructured running was still like trying to do decent mileage weeks. And it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm learning. And that's one thing I think like all of it's just a learning experience. I love that lifelong learning, huh? <laughs> totally. It sounds like I mean, I'll you're be learning also- until the day I die. Yeah. And that's such a great mindset to have. And that's what life alive is all about is that I'm a big believer in adaptation is yeah. the, your ability to adapt in life is not only going to say something about your longevity of your profession, your purpose, your passion, but it also um, speaks to the, the quality of life that someone has. Um, yeah. You know, like the great philosopher, Rocky Balboa, said that, uh, you know, the only, the only thing that's t- undefeated is time. Time is undefeated and it's going to win over everybody. And so mm-hmm. therefore what matters is what you do with that time. And I love to see that in the spite of, in spite of injury, um, this is actually a, uh, adding spice to your, your life in some ways of like learning patience and learning how to, uh, outlet stress in different ways and that's what's really all about so thank you for sharing that with listeners um, yeah. one, quick, one quick last thing uh, I'm going to put you in the ultra runner time capsule and okay. you've been competitive now in this sport for two is this going on three years yeah I don't Ish. know <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to put you back in the capsule. This is for all the new beginners and selfishly a little bit for me with my first 50 miler coming up. If I put you in a time capsule and take you all the way back to your first race, that, that start line and you had a minute or two to, you know, you know everything that you do right now, but we get to go back and tell the younger Maddie, you know, two tips on, their first long race, what would you have told yourself? Probably the like thing that everybody says, but trust your training because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, your training really will get you where you should be. Um, but also I think I would tell myself about the importance of fueling. Like that was something that I missed for a long time. And I, I, um, didn't really get why you needed to eat so much when you were running and like all the time, like Mm -hmm. I got in that mentality of like fast is skinny and it's not always. And like Mm -hmm. food is your friend and it fuels you. And you know, I, I think that has been huge because if you can eat, if you can train your stomach and you can eat well while you're racing, you can do pretty much any distance. Like that's how you keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Any last um, words or something that you want to pass on to our our listeners out there or our ultra runners that are listening for this next year? Any uh, great inspiration or something you want to pass along for the year? Any encouragement? I don't know. I guess I think set big goals and don't be afraid if, like David Roach says, I like David Roach, but if you don't achieve your goals, it's fine. Like, Big, scary goals are the only way to potentially achieve them. Mm, Love that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's been awesome to chat. This young heart shows us courage today, Life Alive Tribe. Age, it's just a number. You can do anything if you have the discipline and determination to do it. What are three ways in which you can act today on going the distance in your life? Write them down and act now. See you next time, Life Alive Tribe.